0: This happened when i was in college so i was home in the summer just working my boyfriend was also home for summer working living with his parents about an hour and a half away but we finally had a rare day when neither of us needed to work so he drove down to spend the day with me we were saving for the coming school year so we tried not to spend too much which ended up meaning that we ate lunch and dinner with my family at my house After dinner wanting to get some alone time as a couple, we decided to pick up root beer floats at Sonic and drive out to a local state park where young couples like to hang out. We parked and walked out to one of the little covered picnic tables in the woods and while the parking lot was well lit, because of how thick the woods were, it was quite dark sitting at the picnic table. We'd hung out there late into the night before and we always felt perfectly safe. For some reason though, I just felt a bit nervous sitting in the dark that night So when another couple popped out of the woods past where we were and started making out, leaning up against the other end of the table, we moved to my boyfriend's pickup. My boyfriend turned on the radio and we sat in companionable silence, attempting to eat our ice cream before too much of it melted. Due to the heat, we actually had the windows rolled down. After a bit, the couple that we'd seen come out of the woods left. Looking around, I realized something odd though. Although there were normally at least half a dozen vehicles parked in this particular lot on any given evening, we were now the only vehicle in sight. Even though I didn't think too much of it and continued finishing up my float. when all of a sudden, I just got the worst feeling ever. You know that feeling when the hair stands on the back of your neck because you can feel someone just looking at you when you thought that you were alone? It started like that and just got way worse. I had the distinct feeling that I needed to run in the pit of my stomach so I started looking around and realized my boyfriend was also looking around nervously and about the same time he noticed that I was doing it too. So I asked him if he had a bad feeling and his reply was an emphatic hell yes uttered as he started the truck and began to drive out of the park. Since we were facing into the park we had to make a u-turn and as we passed by the area where we'd been parked a man stepped out of the edge of the woods. This happened on a Wednesday night and about a week later someone found bodies in those woods just past where we'd been seated on that picnic table. When the crime was eventually solved it came out that a man living in a shack on the property and working as a maintenance worker for the park had killed a couple the Saturday night after our experience. And the photo of the killer in the newspaper turned out to be the photo of the man that we'd seen step out of the woods and watch us leave that night. So I totally forgot about this happening until my mum brought it up at dinner tonight and now it's 9 30 at night and I'm scared all over again. So this was back in high school, either my freshman or sophomore year. I missed the bus and I didn't have a car at the time so my mum had to drive me to the school. The road that my tiny neighbourhood, more like a glorified cul-de-sac, was off of a long rural stretch that only had one equally tiny other neighbourhood and a few houses here and there. But it was 6am or something and still incredibly dark outside and it was colder than a witch's tit. And as we're pulling out of our neighborhood, my mum and I both saw three children in blue and white private school uniforms standing side by side, shoulder to shoulder at the entrance of the neighborhood on the sidewalk. It was either two girls and one boy or two boys and one girl. I don't remember the ratio, but the girls wore a a blue and white skirt, kind of a dress outfit, and the boy was wearing a blue short-sleeved shirt with khaki shorts. This was weird for a few reasons. One, it was 40 degrees outside, they looked like they were dressed for summer and they didn't even wear coats or anything. Secondly, there were two schools in the area, but not a private school till the next town over, and the blue and white weren't the school's uniform colours anyway. Third, what young kids just stand there in single fire line, not doing anything but just standing? No joshing around, no nothing. Oh, and uh, lastly, this wasn't even where the bus stop was, it was a few blocks down, and just to sprinkle an extra bit of creepy on top for shits and giggles, there weren't any street there, so what were they doing there? They were just seemingly standing in the dark, not doing jack except being creepy as hell I guess. They were on the corner on the right, closest to the passenger side window where I was obviously sitting, and of course we were turning right. As we got closer I thought at first that they didn't have any faces but it was just too shadowy and dark out to make it out and the headlights only shone under their shoulders. Which is how I can remember the outfit so vividly by the way. Then we got closer and I was relieved to see that they actually had faces but then got completely freaked out all over again when I saw their eyes were all completely black. Kind of like Supernatural Sam and Dean fighting demons or black. My mum actually saw it before I did and she put the pedal to the metal and she just hightailed it straight out of there. I remember trying to look back and see them but I couldn't since it was just too dark. My mum didn't go back home until the sun rose and it was bright enough to not get scared anymore. Of course nobody believed me at school and my siblings thought that we were full of it. But We know what we saw. We never saw them again after that though and I thought that they were ghosts for some time but a few months after that I heard about the black eyed children on YouTube or something and I made the connection. We moved shortly after that due to unrelated reasons. This was like four years ago now I think and I had blissfully forgotten about it until my mum said hey remember when and now I just want to die. And well, I hope my irrational anxieties and fears around children that are small enough for me to punt across a soccer field are amusing at least to some. So I'm a respiratory therapist and my work night's in an emergency room. I've been working in this field for a few months now and I've seen some pretty bizarre and weird things. So I'd figured that I'd share one of them in hopes to clear my head. I work in a decently large hospital in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. I mostly do work in the emergency room, but have also worked around the other floors of the hospital. Just the other night, in fact, a patient came in around four in the morning. It was an 18-year-old female who her family found standing on top of their shed in the middle of the night, and when her parents saw her and screamed, she fell and broke her femur. She came into the ER and I was told by her nurse to check in on her whenever she was settled in her room. So when I did, I was a little shocked when she was still in a daze and her leg was just torn to shreds. I could see it through the bandages. And when I walked in, she just stared and didn't say a word. I was about to introduce myself and all of a sudden she just lets out a scream. And not just any scream. It was a scream like that of an animal caught in a bear trap. After this the nurse ran in and she started yelling numbers like 1234 but in random order and after this she just passed out and went unresponsive. She got moved up to one of the basic care floors and last night I went to check on her and she's doing okay. The weird thing though is that now she's like a completely different person. I don't know what happened to this poor girl but it was scary to say the least. When I was a child, my parents and I lived in a really rugged trailer on the family farm. Shortly after that, the farmhands living in the farmhouse that was down the path through the woods moved out and we had the opportunity to move into an actual house. The trailer that we'd been living in had no plumbing or HVAC, we had an outhouse for using the bathroom and showering and whatnot, and to put it short, we pretty much lived like hicks. So, at seven years old, I was pretty damn excited to move into a house that had all of those things, and a staircase for me to run up and down with. It even had a basement. My great-grandfather, alongside of a good friend, actually built the house with their bare hands in 1950. It was inscribed in the wall down in the basement. Now, to give a little bit of context, this friend of my grandfather's had fallen and hit his head hard on a rock during a snowstorm one night, heading back to the house and had fallen unconscious. His wife found him hours later and managed to wake him up and help him back home. But unfortunately, later that night, he died. My parents told me later, when I was much older, that strange things began to happen in that house not long after we moved in. They would wake up to small things like the faucets being turned on in the bathroom or the toilet flushing. The television would turn on in the living room and stuff like that. But then, things began to pick up. My mum would wake up sometimes to the sound of a man roaring in anger. After inquiring about all of these things to my grandfather, they learned of the family friend and his death. They soon learned to coexist with him, and it wasn't long before the spirit began to confront me. One of my earliest memories of an encounter with him was when I was eight. It was 2.30 in the morning. I've always been a bit of a light sleeper, so when I wake up in the middle of the night, I usually just brush it off. But this night, I felt just something strange in the air. Downstairs, I began to hear footsteps moving back and forth in the hallway. At first, I thought that it was just my dad, since he sometimes worked a 3-11 to shift at the steel plant. But these footsteps didn't seem to be going anywhere, just kind of pacing. Then, after a pause, the footsteps began to make their way up the stairs towards my bedroom. My room was hardwood so there was a gap underneath the door so you could actually see shadows underneath of it and once the steps made it to the landing outside of my door I could see the shadow of two legs and the next thing I know the doorknob began to slowly turn and then my door slowly creaked open about two inches just enough for someone to peer through. Suddenly the shadows vanished and I could see no one through the opening. I decided to be brave and I got out of bed to see if anyone was still there. I slowly walked over to the door and I threw it open, but when I did, there was nobody. Before moving out of that house, I had many more experiences with our family ghost. I learned that he was friendly and was only coming to check on me that night, and many nights to come as well. In a weird way, I kind of miss him and I hope that he's found the other side. I won't lie though, that night that he came to my door, it scared the ever-loving crap out of me. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. This is a story from my childhood that has always stuck with me and I wanted to share it and see what other people think. So my family and I had just moved into this new house. This was right after the housing market went way up in the 2000s so the house that we were moving into was a complete dump because that's all that we could really afford in our school district. It had previously been a crack house, the windows were busted by the police, fence taken down by SWAT, needles in the garbage disposal, and it was just a complete dump. So my mom and stepdad were fixing it up before we finally moved in. We had a month to get out of the house that we were renting and get into our new house, my sister's dad would go over after work and paint but well, we had to because everything was covered with graffiti and he got home one night and he said when I got to the house today I saw a little kid this was after they had already replaced the windows, so nobody could have broken in he said that he came into the house and he saw a kid go from one bedroom in the master to the other and so he went into the master bedroom and nobody was there At first he thought my mum had been there with my sister and I and had left somebody there or something. And when he realised that we were not there, he didn't really know what happened. My mum just told him that it must have been the fumes and open a window up and wear a mask next time. Keep in mind too that my stepdad really isn't the type of person to believe in ghosts or paranormal things. And he doesn't get scared easily so this was really out of character for him. Right after we moved in though, almost instantly in fact, my sister had an imaginary friend, Whitehead, which was unusual because she was never a play pretend type of kid. She never really played with dolls or anything for that fact, she was more of a computer game kid type of person. She was always very logical too and thought very scientifically and even though very young at the time, it was just odd because she never had an imaginary friend before. My mum and I were always the more artistic and wacky ones, and my sister and her dad were the more logical ones. Just to give you some insight. Anyway, generally when a child invents an imaginary friend, it's because they want someone to play with, right? But her imaginary friend was super annoying and he was always bothering her and she would constantly complain about Mikey not sharing a toy or he won't play this game or he touched my juice, he's not following rules and not taking turns. And I mean, who invents an imaginary friend so that they can fight with them all day? But one day though, my mum was out front just talking to my neighbor. She was telling my mum that before the people before us, there was another family with kids there. And then she asked if we ever saw anything weird in the house. She told my mum that the family before saw stuff in the house and that her son, who was now a teenager, when he was little, that he had an imaginary friend named Mikey, and the kids that lived in our house before us also played with Mikey and that she had seen him before. My sister and I would spend the weekends with our grandparents and my mum would take the batteries out of all of our toys because they would just go off randomly when no one was in our rooms. In fact, I remember I had a piggy bank that made a noise when I put money in it and one night it just wouldn't stop so I checked to see if it was jammed but nothing was up with it so I ended up throwing it away because it just wouldn't stop going off in the middle of the night. Now, I had never had problems with sleeping before or after that house but when we lived there, every morning I would wake up kind of contorted in some way. I would wake up shoved into a little space between my bed and the dresser and a ball and I would always be stuck and my mum would have to help me out in the morning. I would always try to figure out exactly how I got there, but I never really could. I was in third or fourth grade at the time and my mum had to put up guards on the side of the bed to stop me from doing it, but inevitably, I would still end up contorted and shoved between my dresser or something. This never happened when I would stay at my grandparents' though, which was really weird. My mum worked a night job and would stay home during the day with my sister as well, so one night she came home from work and was washing her hands in the kitchen, from the kitchen you could see into the living room, and my mum turned around because she said that she could just feel someone watching her, and for a split second there was a kid just standing there. She said that he looked about eight years old and then he was just gone not long after that too it was my sister's birthday after the party my sister and i went to my grandparents house my mum and stepdad were alone my mum took all the balloons from the party and tied them together and put them in the corner in the living room they were watching tv and the air was off because the weather is nice around my sister's birthday and the fan wasn't on but all of a sudden the strings came together like somebody grabbed it and then they floated about a foot then they went around the corner and really slowly down the hallway then once it got to the light in the hallway the balloons went down and around the light it went down to the end of the hallway and stopped at my sister's door Uh, my mum and stepdad were watching in shock not knowing what the hell to do so my mum decided to talk to it and she said hey mikey if you want those balloons you can have them right when she said that the balloons went into my sister's room now, there used to be a Taco Bell by a house, and this was before they started remodeling them, so it looked like a mission. So, my mum and my sister and I were driving past the Taco Bell, and my sister said, Mum, Mikey says that he used to live in a Taco Bell house. Well, we didn't think anything of it, but after we had lived there for a while, my mum decided to look into the history of the property. Before it had been a cattle ranch, and she then learned that before that, right on the property where her house and three others were, she found out that it was a children's mission. It was run by the Catholic Church and they had orphans, and that was when it all clicked. One year, my sister said, too, that it's Mikey's birthday and we have to make a cake. So my mum made a cake and then she marked it with a little dot on the calendar then when she changed over the calendar the next year she marked it with a dot again just to see what would happen and the following year on the same day my sister says it's Mikey's birthday and he would like a cake at Christmas time my mum went out and bought him a hot wheel and a little toy horse a couple of days later the horse just disappeared my sister didn't touch it and I had no idea where it went and then a couple of years later when we were playing in the backyard we actually found it buried in the yard we brought it back inside and we put it on the coffee table and that night it went missing again and after that we still haven't seen it so i was a picky eater and still am but my stepdad used to make me stay at the table till i ate all of my food i was also stubborn as a kid so i would sit there until 10 at night sometimes when he would finally just let me go to bed but every night at that table, I would see shadows walking around the hallway from room to room. I would just think that I was seeing things, but it was constantly, almost every night in fact. Anyway, that's pretty much everything that I remember from that place. My mom and my sister and I moved out after my mom and stepdad split up. I haven't been back there since then, and my sister's dad still lives there, and she goes there on the weekends and what. She's in high school now but she still tells me that the house feels very heavy and she sees shadow people all the time but that's about it. I thought that I would just share this experience because I don't know I just find it interesting myself. Sorry if I jump around a lot I just wanted to try and get most of it out there. I was young too and it's hard to remember everything in order because it was so long ago. I have a lot of pictures from the house with weird stuff in it, though, and I'll ask my mum for them, and hopefully I can post them here. Anyway, thanks for listening.
1: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
0: This is my first time sharing this story, and hopefully it's not too hard to follow. This all happened about eight years ago, and this is about my friend, A., I've known her since I was 15 and we were co-workers for about 5 years and when I turned 18 we actually became roommates, her boyfriend at the time also lived with us. So A was just always kind of different, she was very religious and always talked about God and struggled with partying or smoking, without feeling guilty afterwards that is. We would throw house parties, nothing crazy, just a group of us playing beer pong, drinking and maybe a little bit of weed. Nothing ever crazy happened, but literally, after every time, she would have to tell me that she can't do this anymore. She needs to focus on her relationship with God and whatnot. Yet, the parties were usually her idea, but I got so used to her being like that that I just thought that that's her personality and I can deal with it. But about a year into us living together, her boyfriend decided to break up with her. They'd been together since high school, and he's about three years older than her. So when this happened, I felt like this is where the chaos began. She starts to see a therapist and a psychologist because she went into a severe depression. I'm not sure why the doctor decided to put her on Adderall, but she tells me that she's being diagnosed with depression and ADD. I didn't really think much of it because I've known a few people in my life that take the same medication and it does seem to help them. But after a few months of her being on this medication she drops a lot of weight and becomes way more spontaneous and did things that were just way out of character for her. She became very promiscuous too and she would drive to San Diego which is almost three hours away from where we live to have one night stands. It wasn't until another few months after that that I noticed something was just really off with her. She started sleeping with one of our co-workers and got oddly jealous if anyone would just even talk to him. We all worked in the same department so, I mean, we all kind of had to talk to each other. In fact, on one occasion, I asked if he would grab something from the back and I turned around and she's just staring at me with this angry blank stare and says, I know what you're doing. And I'm like, what? Because I literally had no idea what she was talking about. And she says, I see the way you're looking at him. I know what you're trying to do. I say, Are you being serious? Please tell me you're joking. And she says, I see it. You can't lie to me. I know what you're trying to do. I won't let it happen. By this time, I was so pissed off that I just left work and I went home. Because she was 100% serious. It didn't freak me out so much as just kind of pissed me off. I've known this person for years, we lived and worked together, and how could she think that of me, let alone treat me like that? Anyway, after things got so bad with her, always accusing me of any little thing, like one minute she talked to me friendly, then the next she would accuse me of being in her room and going through her stuff. Eventually, I just moved out, and she went back to live with her grandma. We still worked together but I actually asked if I could do different shifts to her if possible. And then after that I didn't see her for almost six months because she just didn't come back to work. No one would tell me why or anything that happened and it was almost a year when I got a Facebook message from her asking if she could see me and talk. So much time had passed that I wasn't angry. I was actually kind of worried. I wanted to talk to her to see if she was okay. By this time, I now live with my husband, so I tell her that she can come by my apartment. But when she showed up, I could hardly recognize her. She had gained a tremendous amount of weight and looked like her hygiene had just gone out the window. Not to the point where she looked homeless or anything, but very much noticeable, especially from how she used to look. So I knew that she had gone through something. She didn't want to come in, so we went for a walk and... She begins to tell me what happened. She said that she had been diagnosed with schizophrenia and it was drug induced by the adderall. And I guess that it started when she went on a hike with her family. She said that her dad apparently turned into a demon and was going to kill her. She tried to run away, but her family had to restrain her and call the cops. They had held her for 72 hours and she said that it was like god gave her the ability to see who was a good person or bad by seeing them as demons or as people. She told me that she takes medication for it now and she's going to this bible study group that has really helped her and whatnot. I told her that that was great and I'm always here and I can't imagine what she's gone through. So we start to hang out a few times after that. I go to her apartment it was like assisted living for people with mental disorders once or twice a week just to hang out and talk with her. I never really thought of her as dangerous because well, she was on her meds and from what I've read and heard of schizophrenics they aren't usually violent plus she seemed somewhat well but after about a month of hanging out she keeps trying to get me to go to this bible study group I tell her that I'm not really interested in all of that but she eventually becomes ridiculously persistent about it. She even started stopping by my apartment randomly trying to get me to go and this is the point where I slowly stopped coming by because it was like every time we hung out she always brought it up and just wouldn't let it go. A week goes by and I didn't really talk to her or answer her calls and if I did I just came up with an excuse as to why I couldn't come by. A part of me felt bad I'll admit but it was like something was telling me to just distance myself a bit. And the following Friday my mum calls me and asks if I've read the newspaper and she tells me that A is actually in it and after reading it I was just in shock. The night before A's mum stopped by her apartment I guess that she was very upset and disorientated. Her mum tried to calm her down, but couldn't, so she tried to call the police because she was getting more aggravated and aggressive. And A ends up chasing and stabbing her mum seven times. I come to find out later from her family that she had stopped taking her medication because God told her that she didn't need them. She thought that her mum was trying to kill her and was a demon, and her mum actually survived and was able to make it to the neighbors. I guess the police found her wandering around her apartment complex with a knife still in her hand and they said that she wouldn't talk to anyone just had this look on her face like she wasn't there. She didn't struggle or say anything to think though that if I hadn't have distanced myself like I did that could have easily been me. Quite honestly the thought of her being violent like that just never entered my mind. It was just a a really terrifying and heartbreaking story. It's almost as if I had to grieve for her because who she used to be no longer existed and knowing who she was she just didn't deserve that kind of life. I'm sorry that this is a bit long and probably not that well expressed but anyway that's my story of my friend A and I hope she's doing well. I'm an Australian, but I have family that live in the States. Four years ago, December of 2015, I was in Ohio for Christmas, staying with my sister. My sister, her husband, Jordan, and I were driving back to her house from a movie and were pulling into a driveway when we heard a high-pitched screeching sound come from outside, away from our car. Assuming that it was just a bat or something, we all got out thinking nothing of it, but then we heard it again. It was around the time the sun was setting but the noise was too low to the ground to be a bat. It sounded like it was coming from pretty close by in fact. The noise wasn't unbearably loud or anything but it was uncomfortably high pitched, like higher than anything that I've ever heard. So by this point we're all out of the car and we hear it like one more time before Jordan goes over to the side of the house where he thinks the noise is coming from He kicks some bricks around, picks up a couple of tiles before we see it. Now, please understand, the following description may be slightly inaccurate as it has been four years since this time, but I swear that what I saw was actually there. I mean, both my sister and her husband saw the same thing too. It was vaguely humanoid, it was only about 2 or 3 feet tall, stark naked, bipedal, running away from Jordan towards us. Its head was massive compared to its body, and it was semi-translucent. You could see big veins all over it, it had beady black eyes, and I didn't get a chance to see if it had any genitalia, but from what I could notice, it didn't seem to. Upon approaching us, my sister screamed and I instinctively jumped back and it changed course and ran onto the road. It ran behind the house across the road, let out another screech, and that was the last that we saw of it. Jordan called the police and we went inside. They didn't believe us, obviously, but all three of us remember the event quite vividly and I'm wondering, has anybody from around Ohio seen anything like this? I have been working at a department store for the past two years, although retail wasn't something I wanted to necessarily do, it was much better than my previous job in the food business, so I was grateful to not have to touch food all day, and would take the world of customer service much more gratefully than the food industry. It was in the middle of January, and the store is usually quite dead towards the end of the day. Usually, the following month after Christmas is never really busy, due to people probably not trying to spend money after the gift-giving season and the cold weather of the winter season in Canada never really helped the situation much too. People are just not in the mood to leave the comfort of their own houses in the middle of a snowstorm, right? That meant too that they put less people on shift and I was alone in the fitting room. I work at a pretty big store and alongside the weather conditions that meant that the employees were usually spread out on the floor, not within close proximity in comparison to what they put during the busy season. Also none of us wore earpieces as we did most of our paging through the speaker system. So it was a Wednesday night around eight and the store closed at nine. I was usually put on the cash register but often frequented the fitting room when they needed the help. It was a very quiet night and I spent the first couple of hours of my shift just helping organize the beauty section that is right next to the fitting room or going to speak to my lovely co-workers who worked in the jewelry section, helping the few customers that actually wanted to try clothes on when they came by. There was a man who came to the fitting room though with two dress shirts and I didn't think much of it, I mean after all it was nothing that I haven't seen before, older, tall, kind of stocky, muscular, pretty plain to be honest. I did notice though that he seemed to be dressed rather nicely a clearly expensive suit and a nice shoulder bag accompanying him. I assume that he must have come into the store after his day off work. I counted the number of articles that he was bringing in as that was mandatory in order for me to monitor the flow of clothes and try to stop theft. Handed him a number corresponding to the number of articles that he was taking in and asked him to politely put the clothes back on the hanger. In French, obviously, rather than English, because Quebec requires us to speak French first to customers. To which he replied with a simple, no problem. I noticed then, too, that he had a thick accent, although I wasn't and am still not able to actually place my finger on it. I think it may have been Russian, but I can't say for sure but the man walked into the fitting room and I helped the other customers who came out of their rooms, counting the articles that they came out with and matched it with the numbers and hung them back on their place on the rack. A few moments passed by and the man came out. Not really putting much thought into it, I took both dress shirts from him, he didn't want any of them, and took back his number, said thank you and turned to place the clothes on their rack. Usually this was the point where the customer would just leave the fitting room, but when I turned around to go back to the front he was still there. I asked him if there was anything that I could do for him or if he still wanted the shirts that I had just put away. The man smiled, looked at me, not answering, and I felt a weird feeling in the pit of my stomach. He was looking at me as if he wanted to say something, and me, being the 5'4 girl who hates confrontation of any kind, just kind of nervously laughed and started to organize the desk at the front of the fitting room entrance, awkwardly arranging all the numbers, although they were already in order. He asked for my name, to which I just looked down at the name tag I was wearing and I repeated it. He told me that it was a beautiful name. I laughed nervously at this, never knowing what to do in these sorts of situations, and being nice to him was a part of my job in customer service, so it's all that I could think of. Besides, he didn't do anything wrong, just complimented me. I said thank you and I looked away to avoid eye contact. But then he just kind of stood there for what felt like 20 minutes but was probably closer to three I suppose. He stood there as I helped other customers and it was beginning to make me feel very uncomfortable but not wanting to be rude and also not wanting to subject myself to being uncomfortable for the rest of my shift or however long he was planning to be there I asked him if there was anything else that he needed help with and here's where I began to get a bit scared. He then proceeded to tell me that he'll be waiting for me at nine thirty outside the doors of our store he wanted to take me out confused i just kind of looked at him oddly because how did he know that that was when we finished the store closed at 9 that's true but we usually spend 30 minutes cleaning up the store i suppose that that information isn't hard to guess but it still felt a bit weird plus why did he want to take me out I once again laughed nervously because that seemed to be the only thing that I was able to do when uncomfortable and politely declined saying that I had to get home and study. But then he laughed and took a step closer towards me and I instinctively took a step back. And he didn't seem to accept that answer because he just smiled once more and said, I'll be waiting for you outside the door where all the employees leave from in the truck alley. I'll be there. There was a door that employees exited the mall from because the normal doors usually locked around 9.15 and we always finish later than that so we take the door that takes us into a slight alley where all the trucks go to drop off shipments for our store and whatnot. But again being someone who hates confrontation and who doesn't do well with controlling my emotions I felt myself start to tear up at this comment. No employee is allowed to mention the door that we leave from, it's a company rule, Since we usually finish late and the parking lot is dark, they don't want anyone to know where we exit from as a precaution. I told him once more that while I appreciated his offer, that I just wasn't interested and I had to continue my work. I politely told him to leave when he put a hand on my shoulder and I felt myself instantly freeze up. I remember thinking, praying in fact, that one of my co-workers would show up and pick up the rack or the jewelry employee would stop filling the cases and just turn around. Obviously, with my luck, nobody did though. He told me that I was a pretty girl and that he couldn't wait for me in the alley at the end of my shift. He said that he has a nice apartment and had a cute dog, as if the dog was going to change my mind or something, and we could have a fun time. Desperate now, I said that I just had a boyfriend and he was going to be picking me up, hoping that that would deter him, but he just laughed. He said my name, and then told me that that wasn't something that usually stopped him, placing his hand on my shoulder. I honestly really began to feel scared at this point, and I just excused myself to use the phone on my desk, shaking his hand off of me that I hadn't realized was actually gripped on me pretty tightly. I paged the number for my coordinator, who curtly replied before I was even able to get a word in that she was busy with a customer and just hung up on me. So... Unsure of what to do, as the man was still next to me as he followed me up to my desk, I called my manager, who thankfully replied. When he saw that I was speaking with someone on the phone, he left the fitting room, but it didn't make me feel any better. I told my manager what had happened, and with good reason, she freaked out, telling me that I need to report him immediately, reminding me that with people like that, I really have to be careful she told me to call security which I did and the security guard told me that he had an eye on him through the camera so it was around 8 30 at this point and I was getting ready to start my closing tasks still paranoid about what the man had said to be fair I'm a bit of a paranoid person at best and I watch way too many murder documentaries so I may have been overthinking but it did sound like the beginning of an abduction movie honestly I kind of calmed down after a bit not seeing the man anymore and when the security guard called me back he wanted to let me know that the man had never left. In fact the guy was now circling the store. I felt more dread than before pop up in my stomach because I mean he didn't leave. Thankfully he hadn't come back to see me. I felt kind of better for the fact that the security guard had seen him so if anything did happen there was someone who was able to identify him once again overthinking I suppose but by the time the store closed and it was time to leave two of my co-workers Evan and Ethan two boys who worked in the warehouse made sure to walk me all the way to my car not letting me be alone and boy did I appreciate that although I didn't want to admit it I was scared walking through that alleyway and I was even more paranoid that he was going to follow me home I took the extra long route to see if anyone was trailing me to which he wasn't And when I walked through the safety door of my house and locked it behind me, I let go of a breath that I wasn't even aware I was holding in. I make sure now to always leave the store using the buddy system. I never walk alone and I always make sure that I'm hyper aware of my surroundings. I also never wear my name tag anymore. And luckily, nothing happened to me and maybe I was just overthinking the entire experience, I'll admit. But I want to stress that even if your job is in customer service, if someone makes you uncomfortable, it's good to speak up. You shouldn't have to be subjected to this behavior at your work, or anywhere for that matter. So yesterday, Saturday morning, my kid, too, has been running out the back door and having us chase after her. It's a bit of a naughty habit and can be quite scary when she bolts out the door like that. So she did that again and I ran out after her, saying her name and then wait for mummy. She's just gone down the deck stairs and I'm right there behind her when there's these gunshots and a man running right in front of us in the alleyway behind my house. With a smaller silver handgun pointed down the alleyway behind him. He's in a black pleather jacket and green hoodie, scarcely older than a teenager, but has a determined or confident, unflappable air to him that just sends chills down my spine. I can't even describe it, but he's so close that there isn't time to do anything more than grab my child and duck behind the chicken coop. City hens are actually allowed here. I guess I figured that he'd just keep running down the alley and we could crouch there till he disappeared. Only, he doesn't. He hangs a hard left and jumps my neighbor's fence, the neighbors whose yard borders my chicken enclosure. This guy walks within feet of us, starts to exit my neighbor's gate, then and this moment will stay with me for an eternity, He hears my toddler's scream crying, the only sound around at that moment, and he stops, with his hand on his gun, and turns to look for the source of the crying. I really can't hide any more than I'm hiding and if he turns his head even an inch more, he'll definitely see us. Somehow though, I squeeze and lean just enough out of sight that he just doesn't see us. There was something in his very calm energy that just petrified me. A shooter who just had a gun battle in the middle of the day in a family neighborhood seems to give absolutely no fucks naturally if others are hurt but I had this horrible cold dread just all over me at that moment that if he turned all the way and saw us, saw me, saw my expression, he would have had no choice but to have shoot me because my face said I saw what you did. It was the most terrifying moment of my entire life so far. I felt perched between the utter peril and life, the breathing screaming life in my arms. Would he turn that little gun on us? But somehow, incredibly, miraculously, amazingly, as though the pull of investigating the crying so close to him was suddenly overwhelmed by his desire to just get the hell out of Dodge. He puts his gun in his pocket, exits through the gate, runs across the street, jumps the across the street's neighbor's fence, and disappears. I smacked my kid's head in haste to get us back inside. Sorry, kid and freaking out pulled all the curtains and locked the doors and then spent 10 long minutes getting put on hold by 911. When the cops arrived I gave my eyewitness account and my neighbor who had been about to take out a trash and saw it all gave the same account. They caught the guy that he was shooting at but they never actually caught the shooter That's I saw and it still sends chills down my spine. I mean what if he comes back? What if those bullets had struck my toddler, running towards the shooter? A little girl was recently killed in the exact same way at a park that we frequent, sprayed with bullets from a gun battle in the middle of the day, in the middle of a playground. It just makes me sick to my stomach, and I'm not even sure that I want to live in this city or country anymore. About seven years ago, I was 20 years old, going to college and trying to make a little extra money, and I picked up a job working in Flint, MI, as a live-in caregiver for a 98-year-old woman named Lillian who had Alzheimer's. Honestly, I wasn't trained the way that I should have been to properly care for her. I did a lot of research, and I tried my best to learn everything that I could to make the situation as comfortable as possible for her. Needless to say, though... I did get frustrated sometimes. One of those times was a hot summer night, probably around 2am when I awoke to Lillian screaming from her bedroom. I ran to her to find her sitting in her laundry basket. After helping her up, I also noticed that she had unfortunately wet herself. I took her to the bathroom to get her cleaned up and she told me that she thought that the laundry basket was the toilet and after she had sat in it, she couldn't get out. I felt really sorry for her, obviously. I tried my best to reassure her that it would be okay. I told her that I would clean everything up, run her laundry again, and stay up the rest of the night just in case she needed anything. Once Lillian fell back to sleep, I threw her laundry in and I decided that I had time to sneak out for a quick cigarette. Yes, I'm one of those nasty, horrible smokers so I decided to sit in my car to use the air conditioning to stay cool and call my best friend to see if she was still up so I could vent a little. Also, I just wanted to talk to someone as it was late at night and I was alone in my car. Being female, we're wired to be nervous about being alone at night, unfortunately. So, I hadn't been on the phone for more than two minutes I'd say when I just got a weird feeling. Something was just telling me to look over my left shoulder And when I did, I saw a younger guy, maybe late teens, early twenties, walking down the sidewalk in my direction with a sweatshirt on. His hood was up, and remember too that this is in the middle of summer, so immediately I felt as though something was off. But I reason, who am I to say that this guy isn't cold? One of my flaws is being too afraid to hurt people's feelings, even when the situation calls for it. I knew in that moment that I needed to lock my doors but I didn't want this guy to hear the sound of my doors locking and feel like I thought that he was a criminal just for walking down the sidewalk like that. My body is screaming warning signs at me, the hair on the back of my neck was standing straight up and it felt hard to breathe. I knew my friend was still talking but I couldn't really hear a word that she was saying. I was afraid to turn my head to see where he was and I was just frozen. When suddenly my friend's voice became clear to me and she was yelling at me, hey, why aren't you answering me? What's going on? I turned my head to the right, just in time to see him reaching for my passenger door handle. Without even having time to think, I somehow managed to reach up with my left hand and hit the lock button for the doors just as he started pulling at the handle. His right hand was in the front pocket of his sweatshirt. He seemed to be holding onto something and with his other hand, he was pulling at my handle with such force that the entire car was jerking back and forth. I didn't move. I didn't scream. I just kind of watched him. I remember his eyes staring straight into mine and man, he looked angry. Just as I started to think that this is it, he's going to get in somehow. He's going to hurt or kill me. He just suddenly stops. He stood there for a quick second and then turned and ran away. In that moment, I just burst into tears. I was scared, angry, and confused. I mean, what the hell just happened? What was he trying to do? Kill me? Steal my car? Is he going to come back? And lastly, even though I was happy about it, why did he suddenly stop and just run away like that? I called 911 and the dispatcher asked me if there was any way for me to leave the area. I wanted to, but then I realized, Lillian. I needed to get back in that house, but I was terrified to step foot out of my car. I took a few deep breaths and I decided that I didn't have time to think about it. I needed to make sure that she was okay. I got back in the house and immediately went to her room, and thankfully, she was sound asleep. I felt a huge sense of relief when I saw her, and I took a walk through the house and checked all the doors and the windows to make sure that we were safe. Everything was secure, and I sat down on the couch in the living room in the dark and waited for the cops to come. For those of you who don't know much about Flint, this type of call is not their top priority at all. It took them over four hours to respond, and at that point, obviously, there is nothing that they can do, because he was longer. I still think about that night more often than I would like to admit as well. The what-ifs are definitely the hardest part. All I know is that I hope to never be in a situation like that again. Well, a while back ago, I was maybe 16 at the time, and my uncle was getting married and my family loves him, so we flew to Mexico to go and celebrate. I got my hair done and wore a dress so I looked nice. My uncle and my new aunt were happy so after a week we went back home. Once I got home I noticed a message from a stranger on Messenger and also a friend request from the same guy. The text message read, hello I'm your cousin, a relative of your mother, I saw you in the wedding. I found it strange, but he was confirmed family because he sent a selfie of himself in the wedding, also one in my grandma's living room. Also, his friends in common were also some of my aunts and my mom too, so I knew that he wasn't lying. Also, he's like in his mid-thirties, so he was like an uncle, not really a cousin in my eyes, and he may have said that to seem younger, but that's what I felt because he kept trying to seem younger in the texts. But anyway, I, being the nice person that I was, just said, oh, okay, what's going on? And he texted back, nothing, just wanted to say hello. I texted back, pleasure to meet you, and he then texted me, I hope I'm not bothering you by texting you, tell me about yourself, do you have a boyfriend, are you married or single, how old are you? I got a little uncomfortable about this, but I answered, I don't have a boyfriend and I'm 16. He kept bringing up some musicians in order to have some connection with me. He said that he liked Katy Perry, not knowing that I was a punk kid. So I told him about the bands that I liked, and he said that we had similar music tastes, which honestly made me laugh seeing how untrue that was. He then asked me three times if I had a boyfriend, and then told me that he had no girlfriend, and also kept trying to talk about myself. We talked about movies that we liked, again for some reason he kept bringing up kids films, I think that it was in hopes that it could be another thing that we had in common. But I was into horror films and sent him pictures of like Donnie Darko and Child's Play and he then sent one of the Smurfs movie poster once again saying that we have similar interests, wanting me to agree with him. He then asked me if I worked out and I said no. He then told me, sad that you don't live here, If not, I could have invited you to work out with me. I didn't respond, and he sent a picture of a lady. He told me that it was his ex of four years and that she was really hot, and in his words, he texted me back, You are also very hot, Melissa. After that, I didn't text him ever again because I felt really uncomfortable. I didn't tell my mum too because numbing her, she just wouldn't care. I haven't seen that guy since I haven't visited my grandma since that wedding. He also hasn't texted me since that, but it was just really creepy. Also creepy thinking about the fact that my own cousin, may have been staring me down at the wedding and somehow found my Facebook account, which I really don't post pictures of myself in, thank God. This just happened to me in the bathroom at my college. So, uh, I walked into the bathroom at my community college and there's another guy in there and he's at one of the two urinals. I walk in and step up to the other urinal and from the moment that I walked in to the moment that I unzipped my pants, this guy was just staring at me. In my head I thought maybe this guy is on the spectrum or something because our college has a lot of students that are special needs and is a great place for them to get a degree and has really good programs to work with them so it felt a bit off but I thought maybe it's nothing and boy I wish that that was where the interaction ended he finished before me and he went over to wash his hands I was just waiting for him to finish up and leave the restroom because it felt really weird And while I'm still at the urinal and this guy is washing his hands, he looks at me and says, you're a complete stranger so you won't judge me, is it wrong of me to take out my anger on people that I don't know? My first thought was, this guy isn't right but I should probably listen. But I answered and I said, no, that's not right, that isn't healthy for you or the other person. He answers, that's the conclusion that I've come to as well, thanks. Thanks. And he then just turns and walks out of the bathroom without even drying his hands. I don't know about this guy. I have a bad feeling about him and I don't know what to do about this situation. G'day mates, it's Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too.